oftentimes success comes down to not the content, but the context is you could have the best information, the best message, the best product, the best service. But if you don't contextually wrap it in such a way that people will pay attention to it, that people can wrap their head around, that's where you struggle in the world that we live in today. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, happy to be here and really, really excited for the guests that we have on today. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, sometimes it takes me a little while to get episodes up, and it's really evidenced by this one specifically because in the episode, I mentioned the number of uh, YouTube subscribers I have for the Law of Attraction channel I have going and the uh, number of global ratings on Amazon, and both of which are about half at this point. And, you know, this was recorded two months ago. So, it's one a reminder that I got to make sure to get better about publishing this content in a more timely manner. But it's also really cool just to kind of look on and back and see how fast things are going just in terms of the overwhelming support. So obviously, this is a perfect time for me just to say real quick, thank you so much to all the readers of the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Thank you so much to everyone who reviewed the book. Thanks to all the five-star reviews. And thank you to all the people that subscribe to the YouTube channel in support of it. Uh, obviously, you know, I mention this every episode, but I'm, I'm just so grateful and so excited for the level of enthusiasm for the content. And uh, really, thank you for everyone that's checked it out. For those who haven't done so yet, if you want to check out the free content on YouTube, you can just go to my uh, Andrew Cap channel. That's youtube.com slash Andrew Cap with a K. Or if you want to check out the book, whether uh, Kindle, paperback, Audible, whatever works for you, you can go to lastlawofattractionbook.com and it will forward you straight over there. Um, now, with that said, uh, we're about to dive into, like I said, a really awesome guest. And, you know, I'm really fortunate in the fact that I think I really get to interview some truly, truly world-class experts uh, through these episodes. And it really is something that I really pride myself on in terms of getting this level of content out to my listeners. But in the case of today's guest, I literally believe that Brendan is, is actually more than just a, a world-class expert. I think he's a genius. You know, I listen to the way he breaks things down and, and the way he describes them. And it really is clear to me that he is operating on a way, way higher level. And, you know, I, it was really cool to have the interview unfold. And as he's describing this to me, I'm thinking, wow, this guy is so next level. And um, you guys definitely want to listen to this one also in the sense that he gives me specific business advice around the book and around what I'm doing. But the beauty of it is it's applicable to any kind of business, any kind of content that you have going on, any way by which you want to go out and reach your audience. So I hope you really take this advice to heart. With that said, just to give you a little understanding of who today's guest really is, Brendan Kane is an outside-the-box thinker, speaker, and author who helps empower brands to scale, expand, and accelerate their business and influence. He's the author of the international best-selling book, One Million Followers, and the newly released Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World, as well as the founder and CEO of Hook Point Agency. Brendan has worked with hundreds of individuals and brands providing business and digital strategy for more than 15 years, including MTV, Taylor Swift, 
Rihanna, and many others. He's spoken at multiple major trade shows and events and has appeared in hundreds of media interviews about how to achieve business and digital success. Uh, I, like I said, I can't really overstate how pumped I am to be bringing this content to you here. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Brendan Kane. So Brendan, thanks so much for being here and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Andrew. Yeah, you know, um, I'm super excited to to have you. You know, I've I've done obviously, you know, a bit of research and, and I've heard such good things about you. And in the course of my research, I I went to two websites. I went to uh brendanjkane.com and I went to hookpoint.com. And I was so impressed by how elegant the site was in the sense that you pop on there and on the surface it's very simple. But I mean, I, I know a little bit about websites. You could tell there's a powerful engine behind that, meaning you guys put a lot into that website, even though on the surface, you know, if, you, if you're not thinking it, look, it's very in your face. It's very easy to understand who you are and what you are based on what they see within the first three seconds. And I was curious, you know, obviously, you know, your stuff and you understand the value of a message that's going to get to people in, in a quick fashion. How much effort and energy did you put into even thinking up the concept of what people see when they go to those two websites? Well, it's kind of funny that you bring that up and thank you for the compliment. I think that we haven't spent enough time in those websites, Um, but I started off my career in building technology platforms. So, and designing websites. I mean, we, through the platforms I built over the years, probably built over like 35, 40,000 websites. And I, you know, a lot of the work that I do and, you know, with the new book hook point is this concept of how you stand out in a micro attention world. Like a lot of the work that we do is oftentimes you have less than three seconds. Sometimes you have one second to capture somebody's attention. So we're always looking at how we can simplify things. And that's, I've spent the better part of 15 years doing that. And, you know, made considerable amount of mistakes along the way to learn those hard lessons to get me to the point where we have tremendous success for our clients and the projects we work on. But um, to your point, like, yeah, we try and simplify as much as possible. With those two websites, I say we haven't spent a great deal of time on it. And it's true, but it's, you know, it's kind of ingrained in our DNA of of my mind and, and all of the people that work with me is, really always simplifying things so that you can visually architect whatever you're producing, whether it's a landing page, a website, a social piece of content, uh, a headline in a way that is going to get somebody to stop in the first three seconds so that you have the right to earn the next 10, 30, 60 seconds. And that's the biggest um, challenge I think a lot of people have is they have tremendous talent. They have a tremendous product. They have a tremendous purpose, whatever that is but they don't distill it down in a succinct way to bring people into the larger conversation. They start with kind of like this almost essay or um, just throwing everything out there and expect people to stop and and read it or listen to it. Yeah. You know, I, I find, and you know, I I defer to you, you're the expert, but I I find that people they're so proud of what they do and they would just want, they don't want anyone to miss a certain thing because of the 20 points about them that are good, they, they can't even, they haven't tested enough to figure out what's going to hit. So they want to throw all those 20 points at people in hopes that they'll, they'll snatch it up, not realizing that maybe the 10th best one alone is going to be a lot more powerful because people only have such a limited attention span to begin with. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the, the absolute insane and crazy thing to what you just said is if you've got 20 amazing things about your company, why not test each one individually against each other and see which one actually matters instead of throwing all 20 at a person or an individual and overwhelming them and bombarding them. It's great if you have 20 bullet points or 20 amazing things about your company. But to me, it's like, that's a huge opportunity. Take each one, test it against each other and see what really drives attention, what really drives your business. And that's where I see that there's going to be tremendous success if you take that mentality and go in that direction. Yes. And I imagine, I mean, that's probably one of the things that your agency helps people with. Cause I think a lot of times people wouldn't even disagree with you. It's more like they just don't have the patience or they don't have the finances, like, or they haven't think they have the finances, but they haven't figured out how to use it intelligently. So rather than even take on that endeavor, they're just throwing everything against the wall at once. Yeah. I mean, I find that, that, you know, in terms of the work that we do with people in this capacity, it's oftentimes the more brilliant you are, the more successful you are, typically the harder it is for you to distill it down into its simplest form. And you may ask yourself, well, why is that? You know, because if you're smart or you're brilliant, you should be able to succinctly explain it. But with true genius, it comes easy to most people. Um, so like you think about like a rocket scientist or an MIT graduate um, or a NASA astronaut is they're so intuitive and in what it means to them that it comes so natural to them that when they try and articulate to the, the layman, to the average person, they struggle immensely. So we work with um, a lot of, we work with people just starting out, but we also work with like billionaires. We work with professional athletes. We work with major corporations and oftentimes they struggle to distill it down into its simplest form. Um, a, because it comes intuitive to, to them, or they spent so much time with it. You know, some people spend five, 10, 15 years with a company or product or service. They forget what it is to experience it for the first time. Uh, and B, it's a challenge. It's like, we've been doing this for 15 years. It's not like we woke up uh, overnight and became experts at distilling things down into its simplest form to grab attention in the shortest time period possible. It took time. It mm -hmm. took effort. And it's, I think it's the old saying goes, you know, why write an essay when you can write a paragraph or why write a paragraph when you can write a sentence? It's easier said than done. The concept's simple, but it's not necessarily easy to achieve. Yeah. In many ways, the sentence is way more challenging than the book because yeah. the book, you have this space to do it. And I mean, I'm a walking example, you know, it's my background. This is something I'm testing. I have a a larger printout of the cover of my new book um, that I'm doing on my podcast appearances. And I have another one where I'm just having the actual book itself. And then I'm going to have like blank background. Like me, I'm, I'm even just trying to figure out how these things look on camera and come across to people because I realize that even with my book where I, I pride myself on the fact that I distilled a message down, that doesn't necessarily mean me who likes to think he's good at marketing doesn't mean that I've actually figured out every little piece and that I can't test and learn from it. First off, I, I couldn't agree more. Test and learn. It's the biggest motto. Uh, it's like people get fall so in love with their idea or fall in love with their 20 bullet points or their their headline or whatever. And then they just, they're like, it's going to work. I know it's going to work. I believe in it. And then they just try and force it through. Uh, and then getting back to the book is both of my books. I came up with the title before we, re we wrote a single word of it. I personally, that's my personal um, preference is, because like, if you can't market something, then why do it? 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to say that if you've already created something, we work with a lot of clients uh, that already have a product or service, some companies that have been around for 30 plus years. And then we have to backtrack and create hooks or ways to stand out around those product or services that have been around for a while. But if you're starting out, I always recommend start with the title, start with the hook. How are you going to grab somebody's attention? Because if you can't market it, it doesn't matter how good you think it is. It's not going to be successful. I mean, that's just the reality of the truth that most yeah. people don't, don't want to, um, that most people don't want to realize. And I, I've fallen in that trap. When I first started out as an entrepreneur, you get so sold on an idea that you have in your head and you're like, this is going to work. This is going to transform the world. It's going to transform this industry without actually testing it. And then you put all this time, this effort, the blood, sweat, and tears, and then you launch it and you're absolutely devastated because nobody cares or you can't get somebody to pay attention to it. So it's really about, uh, I've learned over that course of the period of time is put more into more energy in the beginning of how you're going to market something, how you're going to sell something, how you're going to position it. That's going to um, stand out against the competition. And then once you've done that and you see that traction coming in, then you put more effort into making your product better, making your product scale. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so intriguing to hear you say it and, and describe it this way and break it down. And, you know, even this, this book, uh, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, like you, I came up with this title and I even came up with the cover before really writing the whole book down. And part of it was more of like a motivational thing where, where I was having slow mornings, like, no, let me remember to live up to the standard. And funnily enough, I had another book where I had a working title and people I ran it by, they said it was horrible. And I ended up switching to words that were in like the introduction of that book. And that book didn't do nearly as well as this one. So, I mean, obviously you've got two books. I've got one that we're talking about here. That's a limited, uh, you know, number of things, but there is something to be said about having the plan before you even write, because it gives you a kind of like Northern star of where you're going to take things and how you're going to market and get your word out. Well, there was a case study that I read that I think is just absolutely fascinating. And it was about a book that uh, didn't sell any copies or maybe it sold like 10 or 20. It wasn't successful at all. And all they did, they ripped off the cover, put a new cover on and went to the bestseller list. And that just definitively tells you the importance of your hook, how to stand out, to get people to pay attention to what you're saying, because you could have the best book in the world, but if it's not positioned well, nobody will read about it. There's another, um, my, my literary agent, um, who's one of the top literary agents in the world, represented over $5 billion of the books. He brought um, Marie Kondo's book over here, uh, The Art of Tiding. Mm-hmm. And when he brought it over, I think it was like six months. It didn't sell anything. It wasn't selling uh, well at all. And it was like Sigourney Weaver and one other celebrity tweeted about it. And then it went to the nas- national bestseller list. And I think that year it sold more copies than any other book. So it just shows you that it's not necessarily the quality of the content. The quality of the content's there. It's how do you get people to pay attention to it is the real key. And that's a perfect example is the book is amazing. It's Again, it sold more copies than any other book that year. And it just took two tweets from two celebrities to get people to pay attention to it. And then it just took off like wildfire from there. That is, that's amazing. It's, it's so interesting how like one little thing that has even nothing to do with the creation of the book, with the content or the title or the cover could make such an impact that that's one that's unbelievable. That's great. Um, 
So I did want to ask you, I, again, I, I've done, you know, a little research on you here. I mean, I understand, obviously, it goes without saying, you have a, a certain level of expertise in terms of marketing when we're talking about, you know, spending money and putting the money in, into the right places and, you know, getting getting a return on that investment, whether it's advertising or whatever it might be. I'm wondering, and this I must admit I don't know about you, do you also focus on the organic side of things or do you kind of stay in the wheelhouse of, of paid traffic? No, we, we do both organic and paid. Uh, with, with my team, I, I've kind of built a, a team uh, with diverse skill sets. So I have experts that are world-class when it comes to paid and I have experts that are world-class at organics. For example, my creative partner is one of the top social minds when it comes to organic content. He's got about 40 billion views under his belt, and that's wow. billion with a B. Like, that just shows you the level of scale. And to me, the fascinating thing is combining the learnings from both. How can you take organic learnings of what works organically and fuel it into paid? How can you take what works with paid and fuel it into organic and play off of each other because that's where we see a lot of success is meshing different disciplines and different expertises and different mindsets to achieve you know, remarkable results. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume you'll get certain clients or, you know, come your way. They're like, well, <laughs> help me with the organic, which will make me the money that I can then pour into a money piece. Do you, do you get that from people a lot? Yeah. I think that there's, there's this, it's interesting because there's this huge emphasis on organic and almost demonizing paid in a way. People always look at like social media and like, Oh, well, did you grow organically or you use paid because you use paid? It's not valuable. It's not interesting to me. It's like, you look at the biggest corporations in the world, you look at Nike or Netflix or an Apple, any of the fortune 500 companies, none of them survive without paid. And yet people look at, uh, social media and ask the question, was it done organically or was it done paid? And to me, I don't really care. It's like, what's driving success? And I can definitively tell you, even if you have an or, a huge organic reach, and I'll give you an example. So I was, uh, I was doing a little bit of strategy for these YouTubers that uh, have over 20 million subscribers and they're launching a new product line into Walmart. And even that, even they have the intelligence and the, the foresight to say, listen, I know we have 20 million subscribers. Our average video generates 10 to 20 million views, but do we have buyers in our audience? And I said, yes, you have buyers in your audience. You definitively have buyers in your audience, but you need to communicate with that audience in a different way to get that transaction to app happen. So people get so caught up. There's influencers that have a tremendous amount of following and engagement and reach, but it doesn't necessarily correlate to sales, not because their audience isn't valuable or because they haven't cultivated that with an audience. It's because the way they communicate. It's, the, it's, it's supplementing the organic with the paid, doing retargeting and playing different models off of each other. And that's where certain influencers will make millions in some cases, tens of millions of dollars. There's an influencer I'm working on a project with that created a company that's worth two and a half billion dollars right now compared to influencers that have made no money or made a few hundred thousand dollars. So it's understanding how they play off of each other that I think is critically important that most people um, don't really think about. Yeah. I remember uh, years ago, and I don't know if this was just like 
you know, part of a sales pitch and wasn't legitimate. But I remember hearing this story about how someone was featured on the Oprah Book of the Month Club and they did an appearance on her show and they only sold like two books off of it. And I don't know how true that is, but it's obviously a jarring thing because people hear, oh, you're going to be on Oprah's Book of the Month Club and you're going to be an episode and you assume it's going to be a huge day of sales. And for whatever reason, it wasn't. Yeah, again, it's, you can, like, in some of the tactics we use for Instagram growth is we do heavy distribution of content. What that means is we'll distribute content in other larger accounts. And for example, like there's a partner that we have that has over 20 million followers on Instagram. And, you know, you can post a piece of content that's not really optimized and it'll generate like 200 followers versus you post a piece of content that is optimized for follower growth it can generate 25,000 followers. Hmm. So people often underestimate the value of getting exposure on, you know, certain platforms. We look at a Super Bowl, for example, people will spend millions and millions of dollars to get a Super Bowl commercial, but it won't translate or sometimes it'll negatively backfire because the content isn't dialed in or they didn't take the right approach. So that's really important to take into consideration is just, you know, oftentimes when people will talk about this pipe dream of, oh, if I just get my, my 30 seconds uh, to, for somebody to pay attention to me, I'm going to become a huge global superstar. And I saw that all the time in the entertainment industry is that I get this meeting. If I meet this producer, if I meet this celebrity, if I meet this CEO or executive, all my problems are solved. It's not that case. Like, cause I can definitively tell you over the course of my career, getting me- meetings with high profile people are easy. It's what you do with them that counts. Mm, love it. Now you, you mentioned, you made a really interesting word you brought up. You said optimization, you know, the difference of one that's optimized and one that isn't for people that aren't really connecting the dots yet. What's an example of what you would do to optimize something? So there's many different facets you can go with optimization. Uh, you could, so like for organic social, for example, the first three seconds are critically important. So it's testing the first three seconds of how do you introduce a video? How do you introduce a concept? What is the headline? What is the meme card? How are the captions positioned? Uh, if you're trying to sell a product, what is the headline on the landing page you know, that grabs people's attention? What is the video? What are the images? Uh, when we're talking about Instagram growth is, is how do you position your video in such a way that inspires or motivates somebody to go and follow your account after they see your video on another page? So there's so many different ways to think about optimization. Now, the core area that we specialize in is really how do you optimize that first three seconds? How do you capture somebody's attention? And and there's a few different tools and tactics that we use to do that. Uh, One, for example, is called pattern interruption. It's understanding that we live in a world today where there's 60 billion messages sent on digital platforms each day. You're no longer competing against your direct competition. You're competing against everybody. You like it or not, and this is going to seem insane to some people, you're competing against Kim Kardashian. You're competing against The Rock. You're competing against LeBron James, CNN, Netflix. So when people are swiping up in their feeds and they just watched a LeBron James uh, highlight clip or watching Kim Kardashian talk about some random thing, uh, then your content comes up. So how does your content stack up? How does your content get somebody to stop? And that's where we talk about pattern interruption is interrupt the pattern of the endless scrolling to get them to stop. Mm. Uh, Another tool is subverting expectations is how do you flip something on its head? Because one of the biggest mistakes 
and it frustrates the hell out of me is that people say the same thing in the same way and expect, you know, everybody to stop and pay attention. So for example, we did a social video video on meditation. Now with meditation, it's been talked about millions, tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions of times. So what we did is we made the headline, a meditation is a scam. Now, I don't believe meditation is a scam. I've been meditating for 12 years, but we start off the video by saying most people that think meditation is a scam is because of X, Y, and Z. Now, what I want to do is shift how meditations work for me and some tools and tactics to reposition the way that you think about it that can actually lead to success. There's the same thing with my first book, A Million Followers in 30 Days. If you type in digital marketing or social media strategy or social media marketing, there's millions uh, if not hundreds of millions of results that come up. So how do we pattern interrupt that? We do it by saying a million followers in 30 days, how I did it. So that's kind of the way that, that we really approach optimization is through that lens. Because if you don't have that part optimized, the rest of it really doesn't matter. Cool, cool. Awesome. So I'm going to, I don't even think this will count as a, as a curveball considering your pedigree here, but I, the next question, I guess, is the biggest possible curveball I can throw at you here. Just to give you a for instance and try to squeeze out a, a little free insight from, from an expert, we'll take my book as an example. What I'm doing right now with my book is I'm advertising on Amazon, I'm posting in Facebook groups related to the law of attraction, and I'm building a YouTube channel. Right now, the YouTube channel is 460-something subscribers, um, the book has about 400 plus ratings on Amazon. So you can see, I mean, there's, there's a certain level of, of how big it, or how, how small this is. When you see someone like me who gives you those numbers and those moves that I'm making, what are the first things that come to your mind based on your insight and experience that I might or should do in order to get the book more out there into the public sphere of awareness? The first place I would say and suggest focusing on is how do you make it more accessible to a general audience? Because that's how you really scale. And looking at the book cover, first off, the law of attraction is going to turn off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So how can you subvert expectations and and bring in people that think the law of attraction is bullshit? Right. Which you can do. It's like, yeah. that's a headline right there. Why the law of attraction is bullshit. Now, I'm not saying that you suggest that in the same way we subverted expectations with the meditation thing is you draw, you know, you draw people in. And then you explain that, that aspect of it, because the law of attraction is going to uh, really bring in a certain audience, which is great, capitalize off of that. But if you really want to really scale to that next level, it's how do you make it more accessible to people that don't care about it or, or think it's a scam or don't believe in it. So that's kind of one way is again, from a subverting expectations and flipping it on its head. Also, um, there are, we look at references a lot of like competitive references or references in the marketplace. And there's a great book that I actually bought that it was the title of it was how to read a book, mm-hmm. which it seems so like simplistic, but it, then it was like, I can't remember the subtitle, but it was like how it was how to read a book and something for like high performers or something. Um, so it's like, how do you, how do you, again, where you have the book you'll ever need to read Um flip that on its head and test that different messaging, you know, the, the book that you never want to read or just playing on those concept of words to again, make it accessible to the general audience. Because my concern is that you're going to get too pigeonholed. As soon as somebody sees the law of attraction, they're going to think of the secret or what they already know about the law of attraction and 
either they are going to be completely turned off by it, or they're going to be like, I already know everything I need to know about the law of attraction and I don't need to read this book. Mm. Um, so it's playing off of that. And you can say the, the one thing that they never taught you in the secret or playing off of those different things that you can play with and, and breaking down videos of, of the law of attraction on other people's channels, reaction videos do extremely well. Uh, in addition. So those are kind of some, some starting points. But again, the biggest thing that you have to do is make it accessible to a general audience and not get niched in because then it's super hard to break through the algorithms, no matter what platform you're on. Mm, Got it. Thank you for bringing that up. It's so interesting because I imagine I get a lot more if I, if I sat down with you for a weekend and heard your thoughts on it, but that's one of the things I actually been, been thinking of, like what is a way to position this? And obviously, you know, the book title is the book title, but I remember in a podcast interview where I, like I was talking to someone who didn't believe in it and their audience didn't believe in it. And I was like, well, how do I reposition? And I said, okay, well you lift weights and your muscles get bigger. Right. And I asked them, well, okay, do they get bigger because the muscle fairy comes at night and fills your muscles in? Or do, you get, do they get bigger because when you work out, you tear your muscles and then your body fills in with more muscle fibers? And the point that I made was like, it doesn't matter because what matters is you lift weights and you get bigger muscles. And I try to like angle it of like, it doesn't matter whether the law of attraction works or not. What matters is these visualization techniques get this result, regardless of whether it's universal energy or there's a scientific explanation of your subconscious mind. But obviously that's one thing and I've got to work on refining it and having a lot more angles and a lot more pathways into introducing it to people and have them see a different way of, of seeing it. Yeah. You can also anchor it in other content and other concepts. So for example, the one video that comes to mind is Jim Carrey and it's probably oversaturated at this point, but Jim Carrey talking about how he wrote, a $10 million check to himself. Mm. And I forget what time period it was a year later, 10 years later. I don't remember. You can find it, but then he actually made $10 million for, I think it was dumber, dumber or something. And then that is an anchor to bring people in that may not think about law of attraction or go after a specific audience like actors. You know, if actors see that, then they may be extremely attracted to it as well. And this is an absolutely insanely crazy outside the box thing. And I don't buy into it. I don't claim to buy into it or believe in it, but look at Scientology and study Mm -hmm. Scientology of why they've attracted such high profile people. And what are the hooks that bring them in? Because their underlying philosophy is science fiction in a way, but they've gotten very successful people to buy into it. Again, I am not endorsing it. I don't believe in it, but looking at those things of how you anchor people in with different concepts, methodologies uh, to go deeper with them. Because my, again, my concern is if you start with law of attraction, you're going to lose a huge audience. But if you start with something like, Hey, did you know this, this crazy story about Jim Carrey that he wrote a check to himself for $10 million. And then five years later, he got his first check for dumb and dumber. Well, do you know what he did? He used the law of attraction. Now I dive more deeply into that book. So I hook you in with that first three seconds with this concept of the story with Jim Carrey to lead you down the road to being more receptive to the concept of it. But if you start with law of attraction and then you got to Jim Carrey 30 seconds later, it's not going to work versus flipping it on its head or just doing law of attraction and you never get to Jim Carrey at all. Mm -hmm. So that's where you could also play off of 
inspirational stories from thought leaders that may have not talked publicly about it or analogies and things of that that nature. We see that narrative storytelling works extremely well on on social media. Like Darman is a huge success. Uh, Prince Ye is a good friend of mine, huge success because they're amazing storytellers. So how can you contextualize your message around stories to bring you bring the viewer in to want to dive in deeper with you? You know, I got to tell you, Brendan, I, <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments in recording this podcast because obviously selfishly, I've just squeezed true expert advice for free out of you, but also it doesn't matter if someone else has a different thing that has nothing to do with the law of attraction. All that advice that you just gave me can be translated across anything, across any niche topic. I, I love I love how you broke it down and I love the distinctions you made. And I love the fact I'm anticipating whether it's a week from now or a year from now, or even a decade from now, I'm anticipating someone finding this interview, hearing you break that down and apply it to whatever they've got in their business, whatever they're trying to do. So thank you so much for sharing what I believe is, is real brilliance in such a succinct uh, digestible and actionable way. Yeah, for sure. And there's another way that you can approach it too. And again, I'm all about testing so you take all this information and test, but also face the criticism head on, like go into it and be like, listen, when I first started, I thought the law of attraction was bullshit because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z. And I know you may be sitting there saying it's bullshit, but this is where I see success. It's like, I really admire politicians and I'm not big into politics, but I really admire, admire politicians that will go on the opposite shows. So I love seeing Democrats going on Republican shows and I love Republicans going on Democrat shows because that truly shows you if you can effectively communicate and meet your criticism, meet your opponent head on. And most people are so afraid to do that. And oftentimes that will cause you to stand out is if you, if you know, like there's this amazing scene in the movie eight mile with Eminem. Have you seen that movie mm-hmm. where he's, you know, it shows kind of like, I don't know how much of it is his true story. I think a lot of it is, but at the end of the movie, there's an amazing scene where he goes a rap battle and brilliantly what he does is he knows what the opponent's going to do. The opponent is going to rip on because he's a white guy and he knows all of the criticisms that they're going to do. So what he does is he takes that away from them by making fun of himself, tearing himself down. Yeah. And then by the time it goes to the opponent, they're like shell shocked. Like, what do I do? He like inoculated the audience. Like exactly. Yeah. And that's the, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the movie eight mile, go and see it because that is a perfect analogy of how to approach the market. It's like one of the things that, that we've, approached uh with we run a lot of ads uh advertising for my book and we get a lot of backlash um we i would say maybe like 10 to 20 percent is negative and listen i'm going to definitively tell you it's not easy to deal with you know it's hard like i've gotten death threats through social media uh and things like that but one of the things that we made a conscious decision of is instead of running away from it let's go into it let's let's start a conversation now, obviously, if somebody's just absolutely crazy and just saying crazy stuff that we can't have a conversation, we're not going to, to we're not going to invite that. But if somebody has a legit criticism or critique of our work, we will answer it. We will respond it. We won't run away from it, and most people will. Hmm. It's so interesting and confusing. Like, what could you possibly say that would elicit a death threat? 
I mean, there's one of the things that I think that we saw that happened is with COVID, you know, the, mm. a lot of people got locked down and it impacted mental health. And we saw a huge spike in that. And there's some people, some people have mental health issues. Some people, you know, just are dealing with things that we don't see it as that we're causing it. It's something right. else that's happening within them that is causing that type of reaction. Yeah, and you guys understand how to take a contrarian point of view and put it out there to hook people and that can set and trigger people. Now I understand. Listen, the larger, the larger you get, the more criticism you're, gonna, you're going to receive. You're never going to scale to a large volume and not get any criticism. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget uh, the social network when I first saw the trailer um, and they, were, they had that tagline, like you don't, nobody gets to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. Yeah. And it's just another way of saying, like you said, the bigger you get, it's just, it's, it's almost like the law of averages where there's going to be criticism. I also love what you said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing you now, but you know, those politicians that go on the other shows, another way of saying, when you stay in your own echo chamber, you're basically limiting your success, whether it's financial success or just growth as a person or anything else by only dealing with the people that are going to be, they're going to yes you to death versus an opposing view that's really going to test your point of view and your convictions and the reasoning behind whatever you're saying is whatever you're claiming. A hundred percent. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm mm. not going to claim that we're perfect at it or I'm perfect at it. We're not because we're human beings. When people push back, people criticize, criticize you, criticize your work. It's not fun. It's not easy to deal with, but to just run from it, there's no growth there. Yeah. To me, almost to a detriment, I push into it and and take it and see like, how can I improve? How can I take something from this and learn from this and get better? Yeah. And I'm, I'm giving you the, the cookie cutter version of this, but I've done research into this. And, you know, the thing about criticism is we are so genetically coded to want to fit in with the group because back in the days of tribes, if you didn't, like it meant death because they, they kicked you out and you were fair game for a bunch of saber-toothed tigers. So people have to understand that that pain that they feel, that's visceral, that's so emotional, like it's a, it's a natural response, but it's something they need to recognize because they've got to push through if they want to, want to, make, like they want to be more successful and invite a lot more abundance and a lot more of everything they want into their life. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting balance of wanting to fit in, but also standing out enough mm. from the crowd. Yes. Often people try and fit in so much that they struggle to, to stand out and grab attention and thus don't reach the level of success that they're looking for. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of which um, let's talk about the new book real quick. Um, <clears throat> So hook point, how to stand out in a three second world? Like what, I mean, I don't want, obviously we don't want to give the goods away for free, but I am curious if there is a specific, you know, based on our conversation and based on the flow of things, is there a specific insight that you teach in that book that you think is kind of good to reinforce for people listening right now that might help them on their entrepreneurial journey? Well, a lot of what we've talked about and the biggest premise is that we live in a world where there's 60 billion messages sent out each day. You're not competing against your direct competition. You're competing against every piece of content. If you're looking to, to, to reach the next level of success, whether that's getting a promotion, whether it's um, starting a startup, selling a product, scaling your f- company from 10 million to 100 million, you've got to find a way to stand out and take that next step mm. um, and, and grab that attention in this micro-attention world that we live in today. And we've talked about a lot of the key tactics 
uh, and even doing the exercise with you, it's like breaking down that fundamental process that we've developed over the past 15 years on how you can really stand out, how you can really grab that attention. I love it. Now, obviously, um, both the books, 1 million followers, let me say that again, Uh, both 1 million followers and Hookpoint, obviously available um, wherever you're looking, obviously, you know, hop on Amazon or wherever you're going to see it. And um, I do know, as I understand, like the main hubs of focus, if people want to connect with you, are brendanjkane.com and hookpoint.com which again, I, I highly recommend just people check out if nothing else to see the elegance. And um, I'm trying to find that there's, that's the best word, like the elegance of what you're using, even though you said you want to work on it more, but the elegance of getting that message across and clearly communicating, you know, who you are and what you're about. I, I highly recommend people check that out. Are there any other, um, you know, platforms that I should recommend people point to if they want to connect further with you? Yeah. I mean, if people want, we just literally built an agency around developing hook points for people and people have gotten a short glimpse of five minutes of me doing it with you. But if they're looking for help in developing that hook point, uh, they can go to hookpointstrategy.com and they can schedule a call with one of our team members to talk about how we can help people. It is a bit costly to work with us because we work at the highest levels, but the return on investment, that we get for our clients is, is pretty massive. Uh, so if they're looking to get in touch directly with me, it's best to just go to hookpointstrategy.com and schedule a call with one of my team members and they can uh, talk to you about how we can potentially help with your business or brand. Perfect. Um, this is one of my episodes where it'll be both audio and video. So what I'll do is I'll put all these links on the interview page at shatteredamoldpodcast.com. And I'll also put these links in the description of the YouTube video when I post that on the Shattered Mold channel. Um, last question, and, you know, this can go in a million directions, but, you know, if there was any one solid piece of advice, whether it was life advice, marketing advice, business advice, anything that you wish you can give, like, a version of yourself from 10 or 20 years ago, what's that one advice would, would that be that you would share? Well, I think for me, it's being patient and constantly testing and seeing something as not working, not as a failure, but as a learning for the next thing and the next thing, because it took me a long time to realize that. And something not working really impacted me significantly in the beginning. Um, But now I just see it as, you know, the next kind of learning step to getting the right answer. And, you know, the most successful people in the world are not typically people that hit it out of the park the first time. They continue to swing and swing and swing until they they find the right path. Mm. Brendan, I'll, I'll tell you, what I, one of the things I love the most about this interview is that there were things that you told me that I knew, but they were not articulated in my mind in the way that I could take action on them in quite the way that you presented them to me. And I really hope anyone else that might have think they know, but might not be taking action. I hope they listen back to this interview, specifically the insight and advice that you gave me and that they could apply that to what they're doing in their business and and in their life. So thank you so much for coming on, sharing this world-class level expertise and really just putting out such important insight into the world through your books and through your agency. I really appreciate it having you on the show and I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And just leave you with one last thing into what you said is uh, you're 100% right on what you, your assessment is. What we find is oftentimes success comes down to 
not the content, but the context is you could have the best information, the best message, the best product, the best service. But if you don't contextually wrap it in such a way that people will pay attention to it, that people can wrap their head around, that's where you struggle in the world that we live in today. And that's a lot of the work that we do for our clients is we're not changing who they are. We're not changing their foundation. We're not changing their purpose. We're not changing their product or their service. We're changing the way that you contextualize it in a very crowded market that we live in today. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Brendan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you again, Brendan, for that awesome, awesome interview. Guys, I highly recommend whether you go to hookpointstrategy.com or hookpoint.com or brendanjkane.com, which I'll have all these links in the description of this video or this audio. Uh, check this guy out. He really does know his stuff. There's so much you can learn from him, if nothing else, just by reading his books. And uh, speaking of reading books, if you want to check mine out, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, again, the best website for that is going to last lawofattractionbook.com or of course you can check out my YouTube content around the book at youtube.com slash Andrew Cap. but with that said that is all I got for today guys thanks so much for being here uh, if you haven't done so already you know pull up that phone hit that subscribe button leave a quick honest written review and stay tuned there is way more awesome content on the way shortly I'll see you guys next time thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com my name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.